Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a good week so far. Uh, before we start the podcast, I'm going to say it. Please hit subscribe. Please um, give us a review and share it around if you enjoy the podcast episode. Um, keeps the podcast going and um, means that we can keep keep bringing guests for you all to listen to. Anyway, let's move on. Shaq, he had an extremely big record in 2022 called Moving All Around on Patrick Toppin's trick. Um, And I wanted to get him on because I didn't really know him as much before. I didn't really know him at all um, before we had a conversation. Um, Obviously, I knew his records. I'd never met him in person. Um, But I wanted to... I wanted to sit him down because he's had an extremely different career compared to what most people have in the industry to start with. Um, His first record, Moving Around, is huge um, and is doing massive things. Um, He also has kind of an alias, kind of a character that he, he works or does some things under that started over during lockdown. And you'll hear more about that in the episode. Um, he's also a really, really nice guy um, and and got a really solid head on his shoulders. And it's it was really refreshing to have this conversation with him. So without further ado, Shaq. Mr. Shaq, what's cooking? How are you doing well? I'm really good, mate. Yeah, mate. I'm really good. Good to, uh, good to finally meet you. Um, yeah, I know, mate. How's life? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking, mate, like... I, you know, like I had like I had a moment the day I was I was playing in Dundee on Friday night, just gone, and I woke up on Saturday morning and I was like looking out my window and I was looking at this like really really nice view of the hills and that, and I was just thinking I was like, yeah, this is my life, and like, this is what I got to do for a living. Yeah, and like how different my life was a year ago, mate. Like it's mad because I thought about this yesterday. I went to the shopping center. I haven't been there for like over a year. I was thinking, like, what my life was like last time I came here. Yeah. It's just, honestly, it's just truly amazing. And I'm so grateful for everything. Mm. I've been I've been blessed with amazing opportunities. And I've got such amazing people in my life. Mm. And I'm, I'm living my life. And I think the best way I could word it, Will, is I, I'm fulfilling my purpose. I feel like I'm doing what I was supposed to do. And that's amazing. really, really satisfying. Mm. Do you know that. what I mean? Like, and I, I think like my mom as well. She's really like really really proud of us because I'm fulfilling my purpose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, like my mom, she sacrificed so much of her life mm. to enable me to be where I am, and I think she gets a lot of gratification from that. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? So I'm I'm really proud that my mom's happy and she's proud as well. So yeah, that makes me happy, man. Um, <clears throat> first of all, congrats on everything that's going on for you. It's fucking crazy, and I couldn't even imagine how it feels. So fair play to you. I want to. I want to dig deep into it. I want to go. I want to go back and like 
I know nothing about you, if you know what I mean. I've never met you. Like, this is the first time we spoke, really, apart from on text. Like, yeah, I want to yeah. get to know you. I want the people to get to know you a little bit. Um, so I'm sure you've done a lot of this before, but I think it would be really good for, it's going to be good for me, selfishly. Um, where did it all start for you? So, to go back, I would say... My musical journey started when I was 13. Yeah. So, actually, actually, no. Like, right, okay. So, when, when I was, when I, I remember when I was, like, growing up, right, I, like, grew up listening to, like, Tupac, Biggie, Dr. Dre, Eminem, 50 yeah. Cent, NWA, like, that I, I grew up listening to rap and hip-hop. Mm. And I remember when I was younger, right, I had this fucking... I remember when I got... Uh, when I heard Straight Outta Compton for the first time, right, and me and my friends were, like, re- contemplating entering the talent show, <laughs> singing fucking... <laughs> and singing that song. Can you imagine? Oh, my we were God. Like, ele- me, we were, like, 11 years old, right? That's amazing. And we were, like, me and we were, like, we're like right, you do Ice Cube's verse and I'll do MC Ren and you do Easy E's and, like... <laughs> Someone be Dr. Dre, and I was like, honestly, we were reciting it, we were so close to entering, I would have got expelled if I hadn't done that, like, honestly, because there's so much swearing in the song. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Um, But, like, I remember, like, I would, like, learn the lyrics to songs, and, you know, like, I've just alluded to there with NWA, and, like, like Changes as well by Tupac, like, that's one of my favourite songs of all time. And I remember I used to like learn the lyrics over and over and over again. So like I was always, I grew up in like a musical, I'm not going to say musical background, but my mom's very musically intelligent. Yeah, yeah. She's extremely diverse. So I was exposed to a, a lot of different music. Yeah. But like I've alluded to in the past, you know, some people might think because I'm an electronic artist that I grew up listening to electronic music, but yeah. it couldn't have been further from the truth. <laughs> I didn't start listening to electronic music until I, I started going to high school. Mm. Now, when I went to high school, like I don't like I don't know what, what what school was like for you, but where I went to school, you have first school, middle school, and high school. Same. Yeah, so you yeah. join you, you join high school in year nine. Yeah. Um, or for our overseas friends, that's grade nine or whatever it is. is that ninth grade. <laughs> there we go. Ninth yeah. grade, right? <laughs> so, I basically. Went to school. I was fucking into Tupac and you know fucking all the rock, the rock gods and all that. I was into all of that shit and all my peers were like, "Listen to this hardcore music <laughs> called Makina, yeah, or as we call it, the Monkey, which is named after this notorious nightclub um, that used to be open in Sunderland called the New Monkey Nightclub. Now, for our fellow listeners who've got no fucking idea what that is. <laughs> Um, there was a nightclub in, in Pallion in Sunderland in the northeast of England um, that was called the New Monkey Knife. It was called the New Monkey. The reason it was called that is because its predecessor, the Blue Monkey, was burnt down in an arson attack. So they then built a new one, hence the name the New Monkey. In that nightclub, they played a variety of music genres. You had Makina, um, Hard Trance from Germany or German Trance, um, Happy Hardcore, and and Euro dance, Italian house stuff from the yeah. 90s. Now, on top of um, on top of the tunes that the DJs would play, they would also have MCs. Mm. Um, 
And I got interviewed. I got interviewed two years ago, and I got asked about. Um, I got asked after it was a French music magazine, something equivalent to like DJ Mag in yeah. France, and they asked me like, why has Makina survived so long in the Northeast? Because it's it's extinct essentially where it comes from, where its its birthplace is, which yeah. is Barcelona, mm-hmm. Catalonia. Yeah, and I said that the MCs are akin to singers, and I really believe that MCs in Makina in the Northeast are different from MCs in different genres. Totally. Or equivalent genres, you know, like drum and bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or hardcore and stuff like that. The MCs are like, they're all like singers, and people people really connect. The listeners really connect with the, the lyrics of the MCs. So, anyway... So this nightclub was incredibly notorious. Um, basically, it was a private member's dance club and it served no alcohol. So legally, it was allowed to stay open until 7 a.m. Oh, wow. So it was open from 11, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Now, this um, this caused uh, an uproar with the local residents, as I'm yeah. sure you can imagine, because there was people outside the club, you know, people full of drugs. Yeah. Uh, someone ended up dying. Um, so the police investigated and then eventually got raided by the police in 2006 and shut down and um it's something of a mythical um legendary club um now i mean the club has been closed for 16 years now Mm. um the, the the brand did restart um last summer but it's not the same as it was before because obviously the club's closed you know what i mean so but anyway so everybody's listening to this music in high school, right? So I slowly, because my school was entrenched with this music, I slowly was absorbed into the fold, yeah. right? And I changed the way I dressed. You know, I started dressing, like wearing Burke House jackets or Fred Perry and Lacoste taxis <laughs> and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I was absorbed into this fold and bit by bit, I, you know, I, I started... I started really, really, really enjoying this music. And then yeah. one day I was like, I'm going to learn how to MC. Yeah. So what I did is, is I stayed off school for two weeks. And uh, I went on the internet and I went online where I gave my computer AIDS. Fucking <laughs> down, downloaded like loads of these sets. I was like, in the mirror. Like literally, I know this, is, this, this, it sounds so Hollywoodish like right but I literally stood in the mirror with a mic and I was like this MC in the mirror like oh yeah it's coming up for you mic check one like, <laughs> <laughs> right I was fucking I hope there's I video of this somewhere there's got to be a video of this there somewhere. is there is a video of his MC in really um, there's, yeah yeah so if, if people go on YouTube <laughs> And type in MC Vibe Whitley B. There's a video of me MCing from 14 years ago when I was 16. Wow. Um, that was that was probably like two months or three, well, a couple of months before I hung me mic up. Um, because the rave scene started to die. Because yeah. obviously the the big clubs closed down and stuff. But but yeah, so I was in the mirror, I was reciting these lyrics, started putting slits in my eyebrows and that, you know, so I was big time in that. But um, no one had seen us for two weeks and I was getting letters <laughs> from the school. Like, they were getting sent to me mom and that, and I was just, you know, putting them in the bin. And I turned up one day. Did your mum, sorry to burn, did your mum know that you weren't at school? No, because I had a key to the house. So she was going to work. 
I was because um, I would always get in from school before she come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. So I just did me daily chores. Yeah, it made it look like I'd been to school. And she, oh, did a nice day at school. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I learned loads today in maths. I was learning about this thing called Pythagoras theorem. It's really interesting. I wasn't fucking going to school. Little did you know. <laughs> Literally, mate. So, um, I fucking, um, I saw turned up in that and I was like, yeah, yeah, fucking MC and that. And slowly but surely, I got really good at it. Yeah. And I would go from youth club to youth club, um, out of my area to like, you know, go on the mic and just, it was like a competition, kind of really competing against everybody in that. Yeah. It was kind of like a battle. Mm. So, that was, uh, that was where, like, where I re- really started my music career. So, I MC'd. I was doing MCing for a few years, and then obviously when the nightclub, when the new monkey closed, the rave scene started, it took a massive dip. Yeah. And um, I was obviously, myself as as an individual, I was evolving and growing. By this point, I was 16, so I left school and I went to college. Mm. So when I went to college, I, I, I got back into rap music. I started rapping myself. Yeah. I used to write a lot of poetry. And, um, and then... Um, basically, I it's 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 weird now. I'm talking about it. I can see how I, how I flip flop between both scenes because eventually, when I um when I got a different job because I, I used to be a beach lifeguard yeah many years ago yeah um and and, and it's funny because Pat McToppin he was a pool lifeguard I and, I used to be a lifeguard as well oh my god yeah <laughs> this little love triangle. Woo! <laughs> Um, did you, did you, um, were you in the pools or on the beach? So I did the pools and I also did my beach, but I failed the swim for the beach. So I yeah, couldn't, the, yeah. the swim test is quite rigorous. Yeah. I'm not a great, um, it sounds crazy, but I'm not a great swimmer for like long distance. I'm like good for short, but like yeah. the time was a nightmare. So yeah, me, I, I feel your pain. Cause, um, like, like as people can probably say I'm not the tallest person in the world. So <laughs> when I was like swimming, honestly, like I used to, I, 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 I passed all the fitness tests. I was sound, but yeah. um, I was like the slowest swim out of everyone. Yeah. But I used to smash everybody on the runs that mm. I did. So, but so I did that for four for for, for four years, and um, that was when I was doing a lot of rapping. And then what I did is, is I, I got a job as a tax officer working for HMRC, <laughs> the, the beloved place which everybody loves. <laughs> And I started getting into electronic music, yeah. and um, I was—I uh, used to go out all the time to this nightclub in Newcastle called Digital. Mm. Now, Digital um, at the time, DJ Mag ranked, I think, eleventh best nightclub in the world. It yeah. was a really prestigious place, um, and I used to go there every Saturday. It was an amazing place, and I've had some of the happiest times of my life in there. Mm. And um. I remember back then, this is when, like, EDM started, like, yeah. really fucking booting off. So you had, like, Swedish House Mafia. Um, it was just before Avicii started coming on the scene in, in Martin Garrix and that. And um, I remember I went to Creamfields in 2012. That was the first time I ever went to a festival. And I remember, like, I was like, oh, the, the experience was totally surreal. However, I will say, like, the campsite is somewhat different from the reason. <laughs> Mate, well, when I went, right, I went in 2012, right? I don't know if you know this, but Creamfields got cancelled on the Sunday because yeah, of um, there was the that much torrential yeah, rain. Yeah, I remember. Um, the stages collapsed, and um, 
No, like, you know, like Chinese whispers, people around the campsite were saying, oh, people have died and all this stuff. It was, me. like I said, mate, I'm little, right? The fucking mud <laughs> was up to me knee. Honestly, man, it was just, oh, it was something like an apocalypse, right? All these people in a field, you know, high intoxicated, um, no music, I remember at one point I went to this ice cream van, right? I was like, oh, I'll go and get myself an ice cream. And he, because there's no music, he put his ice cream jingle on. <laughs> and it was just people just dancing around. He's like, mate, it was crazy, man. Oh, I love but, that. That's but, why I love, but, that's why I love England or like just the UK generally is like, if that happened in America, they'd be, everyone would be evacuated and you wouldn't be allowed to like be on site just because everyone's too worried about being sued. Like here, yeah. like I live, I grew up going to Glastonbury Festival and like you want it to, you want it to rain, you want it to be muddy because it just like makes it part of what the festival is actually supposed to be. And exactly, it, man. It's, it's what it's about. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Cream. Um, yeah, so um, so obviously there's no music. I met some very interesting characters that day, but I remember I came back, came back like, and I was like, I remember this feeling that I had. It was because it, it was the first time I'd ever been to a festival. Yeah, um, and I've been like I said, I've been to many festivals. I went to Ultra, uh, Ultra in Miami as well. That was really cool. Been eighty uh, multiple times, but because that was my first festival, it was. I don't know, it's hard to put into words the feeling they gave us, but I came back and I was like, like I, I want to get into DJing. Mm. And I ended up getting sucked from HMRC because I was off too much. I was just like, I see, I was just young, mate. Just like, I remember like in the summer, if it was sunny, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to work today. <laughs> I'm, I had a fuck when I go to work and put numbers on a screen when I can go to the beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, oh yeah, I'm not feeling very well today. But anyway, we gaffer, was he recognised that I was actually good at work and when I did work. So he said, listen, I'm going to give you six weeks paid leave. So with that money, I bought myself a set of decks, mm. first set of decks. And I remember I was like learning how to DJ and stuff like that. And um, that's where I started learning how to DJ. Now, um, the mad thing is, right, this, honestly, it's so mad how everything works out and all these, um, these nuances happen. And I don't believe in coincidences at all. I don't believe that exists. That everything happens for a reason. Mm. I was supposed to go to Ibiza, right, in 2013. I'd never been abroad before in my life. And my friend was like, had a villa and said, look, do you want to come over? I says, yeah, yeah, when it's all paid for. You just need a passport. Mm. Now, dickhead over here was like, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll go get my passport on the day. Because like, people <laughs> used to tell us you can go to the passport office and you can get it on the day. So like two weeks before, I was like, right, I'll go and get my passport. And they were like, um... Yes, sir. Is this is this your first application? First time application? I went, yes, I went, yeah. You can't come in on the day. You've got to apply by post, and that's a minimum of six weeks. So I was like, fuck, wrote a letter to my MP, see if you could help out and that. So I remember that. I love that you wrote a letter to your MP. That is fucking amazing. I was like, help me, help me, please, right? But I remember this as well, because mates were in the airport, right? And I remember what time the flight was because I was meant to be on it and the plane flew over my house. <laughs> I remember I was looking out my got out my window and I'd seen a obviously mate. I was so uh, sick right now. I remember I was so depressed, feeling sorry for myself, you know, first world problems and that. And I went, right, I'm going out tonight. I'm going to get hammered and I'm going to have a good time. Now, when I was in the nightclub, 
I was out in the smoking area and someone said, look, that's blah, blah. That's the head resident DJ here. Yeah. So I was just like, right, fuck it. I just went up. And I says, mate, I says, how can I get a set here? I says, send us a mix and um, we'll see about getting you on. Mm. I says, all right, nice one, mate. Cheers. And it was like six months later, I ended up getting a set there. And then I ended up becoming a resident. Amazing. And um, and I played there um, on Saturdays um, for nearly a year. And then um, and then um, I went through like this period in time. I was just enjoying my life, just my twenties, just being reckless and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, it was like, in, um, at this point as well, when I first got into DJing, and sorry, this is in 2014, um, I ended up becoming friends with Ben Hemsley. Mm. Now Ben. Um, he was something of a mythical figure because years and years and years and years and years ago, um, I remember there was this story going on around about this kid who could have played at Tomorrowland, this young kid who was a genius. And I was like, who the fuck's this kid? Someone told us the story about this kid who could have played at Tomorrowland. Um, and what had happened is, is in 2014, the nightclub I played for Digital, they decided to host an, uh, an event outdoors called Northern Lights. Uh, that had Dimitri Vegas and like my headline yeah. in it, and um, just before because I was working for the, the promotion company I was working for, um, obviously I was selling tickets for them. Yeah, and um, someone had I don't know how they created up a mock they created a mock flyer right, um, and it the, the lineup was pretty much exact. So our promotion company would say if anybody uploads this, message them and tell them to take it down. It just so happens that this kid called Ben Hemsley had uploaded it. So I messaged him, I says, hi, mate. I says, can you take this fly down, please? He went, yeah, yeah, no bother on that. We just got chatting. And then I was like, you're that kid, aren't you? That could have played at Tomorrowland. He was like, yeah. I think he won a, he won a competition for Dennis... Um, oh, what's his fucking surname? I can't remember his name. Dennis, I think he released something on um, Flamingo years ago. Um, I can't remember the name of the song. But, oh, mate, I can't I remember can't. what his name is. I'll have to find out another time. But he he won a competition, and um, he, he was meant to play, but he didn't end up playing. And I was like, oh, you're that fucking kid? And we just formed just such an organic bond instantly, and we just instantly hit it off. And then he was just like, oh, do you want to come around mine, and we'll work on some tunes and that? So we used to, like, write tunes together. That's awesome. And um, that's how we started a relationship. And, and then, um, obviously... Um, I was um, going to festivals, going around the world, just fucking enjoying myself, yeah. just having a good time and just listening to music and that. And it was like in 2018, um, I was like, right, like at some point I want to learn how to write music, but for those that are listening that don't, um, I, I really do feel like obviously since I've learned that people who write music some people haven't got an actual clue how difficult it is and how much information you have to retain yeah. in order to be able to write music. Mm. People only hear the end result. They just hear the tune in the club. They don't mm. see the arduous days you've had to go through to get to that point yeah. and to be able to retain all that information. It's just, it's incredibly arduous. But And also the years before that as well. The years before to get to that point, to write that that's record. It, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. To yeah. get to that point, to learn it all. Yeah. Then to get to that point, but... Ben, like, Ben, Ben, because he understood the way my mind works. Now, like, Ben's a fucking, he's a wizard. He's an absolute genius. And I've said this before to me, what I've witnessed. 
he's akin to Avicii in my in my in my eyes because he is a, he's a, he's an absolute wizard and he is mm. a fucking genius. Now he understood how my he knows how my mind works. Yeah. So he translated how to write music in a way that I could interpret it. Yeah. yeah. So he gave me the keys to unlock my mind. That's awesome. So, but I knew because before Ben got massive, he was a nightmare to get in touch with, never mind that otherwise. <laughs> uh, he fucking, he, I was like, right, the only way I'm ever going to be able to learn music is if I get him to teach us, and the only way he teaches us is if we live together. Yeah. So we ended up living together. So we moved in in 2019, and um, he taught us how to write music. He yeah. gave us the tools. And then uh, the lockdown came. And this is where the story gets mad, but it all ties in and it actually is how I ended up getting where I am. So in 2019, when me and Ben first moved in, I said, like, look, I'd love a lethal Halloween party. I'd love to have a mint one. Now, Ben Ben and I got this uh, planned this Halloween party. And I was like, right. I'm going to have a mint Halloween costume because people don't really celebrate Halloween anymore in our country. And yeah. um, I think that's tragic. <laughs> like when, how old are you, Will, if you don't mind? 32. 32. Yeah, so, you, so me and you are a similar age, right? Yeah, yeah. When we were kids, everyone had fucking Halloween decorations on the door. You could fucking go trick-or-treating everywhere. There was yeah. like, loads of kids out, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, can you remember when Scream come out and everyone Scream had the was... fucking Scream masks and you can yeah, get the one yeah. with the, the heart pump that pumped the blood down the mask, Yeah. right? Like, Halloween was so, so celebrated and I feel so sorry for kids today that weren't able to experience that. I think I think so, it's like a safety thing as well, why it doesn't happen so much now. Because, like, yeah. back then it was, I don't know, like, it felt like it was a bit more... It was a bit more chill, like less bad shit happened or we weren't aware of the bad shit that would happen. <laughs> and now it's just like kids kids aren't allowed to go out of their house now. We've got to stay on the PlayStations. I think, yeah, I, I, when I have brought this up to, to people, the, the general concession is that it is a safety thing. Yeah. But I think, um, I think I do feel sorry. Obviously, you know, the kids can't miss them that they don't really know, but... Yeah, yeah. I do feel sorry for him. So anyway, I was like, right, let's have a fucking mint Halloween party. So I went on the internet and I started looking at costumes. Now, initially, I was going to get, um, do you know Halo? You know Master Chief, Master Chief? Yeah, yeah. The main character? Yeah. This, this, I've seen artwork designers who design real-life suits that you can put on with a mm, helmet and shit. Yeah. But I was like, I'm, I'm not tall enough to be fucking like, <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking like this. Master Chief's like a super soldier. He's yeah. like a fucking absolute unit. So I was like, nah, fuck it. So um, I started looking at this company called Immortal Masks, who are Hollywood uh, special effects designers and um, and the specialized in makeup and that. And they make real-life masks. Yeah. Oh, with silicon. So I was looking at all these masks that looked really good. And then I seen in the bottom left corner, it was like, warning, please check that this mask will fit your head before purchasing. Because these masks cost like 700 quid. Yeah. Very expensive. So I was like, so I got some tape measure out. As you can see, I'm not the tallest person. Fucking measured me head. And uh, I couldn't fit into a male mask. So I looked at the female masks and I was like, the only female mask that I will wear is 
um, an old woman mask because yeah. I think it looked look hilarious. It was like a nana mask, and they look re- they look when they're brand new, they look fucking real. Yeah, really real. So, um, I purchased it, and um, uh, I did the Halloween party and that, and it was I went what I did prior to that actually was like what am I going to wear? So I went to Primark and I did some reconnaissance. I scoped out these fucking old women. I was like profiling them, like <laughs> like looking at what they were wearing. And I was like, right, so I knew what to buy. Got these skirts and these like uh, white cardigans. I got this pearl necklace. And um, so I did it and then that was it. I just put it away and thought nothing of it. And then um, obviously fucking coronavirus started booting off. And um, when the lockdown came, um, I saw how depressed everybody was. Now, at the same time, I started getting into Makina music again. Hadn't listened to it for 10 years, right? And I got back into it because of Patrick, because Patrick was playing it, right? Yeah. And obviously he played it. He's played it at Glastonbury. He's played it all over and stuff like that. So I was like, fuck it. I started listening to it and I went in this massive abyss, which just went down this rabbit hole that I'd never got out of, really. And I started reliving my youth and, like... I, this might this might sound kind of mad, right? But one of the reasons why I couldn't listen to that music is it opened the door to so many emotions that was it was too hard to deal with. Yeah, yeah. So I got back into it and I just fucking never got out of it. And I was like, like honestly, the the dopamine was on full power. <laughs> the, 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 I was just loving the music so much. And then when when the lockdown came and I saw everybody in the house who were like they were really depressed because of you know the lives had been turned upside down i went right if i if i dress up if i live stream dressing up i think it'll cheer people up <laughs> so i dressed up and i did my first live stream i had like 25 people watching us and i actually ended up um tearing me uh lateral meniscus in me ne- in me right leg How? because i bent down I d- right so what i did is right <laughs> I like, I like, I was, you know, dancing around and I bent down like this and my knee had locked in it. I just, I just stood up straight, like really fast. Didn't feel it at the time. I've stood up really fast and I've tore, I tore it. And, um, oh. cause I remember my camera fell off. Could mate, mate, this, cause obviously this is my first ever live stream. Didn't know how to do it properly. I was just using the microphone on me on me phone, yeah. and I had it stacked up on two personal boxes <laughs> against <laughs> against something resting. Honestly, it was just so amateur. But um, I ended up tearing tear me tearing tear me uh, me lateral ligament in my knee, and I, um, I, uh, I remember the second time I did one right. I didn't think anything of it. I woke up the next day and I, realized I got all these messages and I had like a thousand friend requests. I was like, what the fuck? I realized like one of my videos had went viral. So it's like, fuck. So. What was that? On, was that on Instagram or fa- Facebook? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. I did do it on Insta, but the Insta audience took a while to catch on to it. Yeah. It was more Facebook thing. But um, one thing that uh, important detail I missed out of is when I came up with the concept and we were toying with the, with the idea, I was on Xbox Live playing on Warzone, and I said to me mate, I said, if I came up with, if I dressed up as an old woman, I'll call her Nana, I'm going to call her Nana Makina after the genre. And I says, I only played the old school classics. I said, I, said, I think it could take off. Now, at this point, you know what, music evolves. From what I was hearing, I only heard people playing the new the new, the new style of Makina, the new, the new support as people call it, my way they call it Northeast Makina. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not really keen on it. 
it's not because the music's not good. It's because I'm inherently biased because I grew up on the old school stuff. Yeah. So, and um, I was like, I could, I could, we could resurrect it from the dead. So I came up, like I said, I came up with the idea and I knew it had legs, right? When me content started going viral, um, I remember um, what happened is, is I ended up doing a live, uh, doing a live stream and hooking up with this rave event called Downforce, which was founded by a group of local lads from, from a, a town near Newcastle. Mm. And um, they said, like, look, do it on our platform. Yeah. We think your content could be massive. So the first live stream I did, I had 1,700 people watching us live. And I remember just to put this into perspective, right? Hot since 82 did a live stream in a hot air balloon, right? For Beatport. Similar time. And he had like 700 people watching him. And I was like, fuck. He has me just a fucking, just a, a kid from No Shields dressed up as this, this this old woman jumping about. Like, and, and I'm like, what the fuck? It's mad. I, yeah. I was like, wow, it was, it was surreal. But every show I did, honestly, me, it was because it was like a live performance. Mm. I had to up the ante. So I bought myself a mobility scooter. Like, <laughs> I remember, right, when it got dropped off, the guy looked at us and he was like, oh, he's like, is this for your nan, mate? I was like, no, it's for me. And he went, <laughs> and he, I'm able bodied, right? I'm like, you know, I'm fit and young. And he's like, He's like, it's, it's for you. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I was like, oh, mate, it's a long story. I don't want to get into it. I says, I dress up as an old woman and <laughs> perform live. And he just looked at me like that. I was like, he's turned away. I was like, mm. so anyway, uh, I saw, I was turning around in the living room. Uh, so I was in the living room. It was actually Ben Hemsley's bedroom. I was turning around on this mobility yeah. scooter. And I was chucking cigarettes off the wall. Kellogg's cornflakes were going on the ceiling. <laughs> or it was mad. Um, but I had I had I had a lot of a lot of fun because I like performing. I really enjoy it. And, yeah. Um, what I did is, is I knew for for the idea to be as big as I wanted it to be, it, it couldn't be just one dimensional. It couldn't just be live streaming. Yeah. So I came up with the character. So <clears throat> I developed this voice, which I thought was a uh, a good old woman's voice who sounds like she's had a really tough paper round. Yeah. But, but I remember when I came up with it. Initially, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it for long, so I would scream into a pillow and make my voice really hoarse. Yeah. And then um, I started doing comedic sketches, and um, it just went from there. Um, and then eventually, w- w- what happened is, is um, um, when the lockdown was lifted and the nightclubs opened, I ended up doing my first set. Um, and that was honestly an unbelievable night. Had a great performance. But well, as... as- Nana, Nana as Nana yeah, yeah, so Nana was the alter ego, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, whilst I'm doing all of this in the background, I'm writing loads of music. Yeah. So obviously, like all the tools that Ben Hemsley's gave us, he's teaching it. He's taught us all this stuff. So I'm just learning me trade, perfecting yeah. my craft. Um, and it was in 2021. Um, by this point with Nana Makina, I'd got like, I think it was like 55 million views on my videos. Wow. Um, being on like Japanese TV, British t- TV, was on Have I Got News For You. Really? Uh, yeah, they used one of my clips. It was one of my most recent ones. Um, I don't know if you saw it. It was um, when I was promoting, obviously, moving all around. Yeah. 
um, I was as the Nana, but I was dressed as Super Mario, and I got a different mobility scooter this time. I got one with a petrol engine. I in did it. see one, this one. Yeah, yeah, the one two five engine with the fireworks and stuff. But uh, have I got news for you? Messages and said like, look, we'd love to put it on the show, and it was Gary Neville. We're comparing us to, to some politician, some <laughs> member of parliament. I don't know who it was, but yeah. So I remember in 2021, Patrick did trick in Newcastle at the utility yeah. arena. And now, just to give a, a brief background, me and Patrick first met in 2011 um, at an after party. And there was this uh, event in Newcastle called Jaunt. Um, and uh, I met him in an afters. I remember I was just, he was sitting to my left. And he, he just started talking to us and he was just like, oh, how are you doing, mate? Like, nice to meet you, kind of thing. And um, he was just like, oh, you should come to my event one time. It's called Motion. And I says, oh, yeah, I've heard a lot about it. He says, it's like, you know, me and a couple of other lads who uh, yeah. set it up, you should come along sometime. I says, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then he was that's when he told you, and oh, like, I'm a lifeguard. I says, oh, I'm a lifeguard as well. And then um, uh, I, had, I didn't see him again until I think it was like, Six months later, I st- he started this um, thing in digital. I think it was called Module. Yeah. And um, was it Module or Modulation? I think it was Module. But um, he, um, I remember this, this is what I love about Patrick. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And I hadn't seen him for ages. And I was walking in and to digital. And he was walking out. And he went, oh, hello, mate. How are you doing? He was like, oh, it's lush to see you. And he went, listen, I'm doing a thing upstairs. Do you want to come up and pop and uh, come and see us? And... Um, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't like spoken face to face, right, for nearly ten years, right. Um, but we like knew of each other, and yeah, if I yeah. saw him, I'd say like, "Hey, blah blah blah." Um, I think like I drove past him one time like that, and when he when he started blowing up, right, when forget, I remember when forget came out on yeah. Hot Creations. Um, like I messaged you on Facebook and just said like, "Look, look at me, I'm so proud of you. You smashing it." Um. Because he was the first one to make it from our area. Yeah, I was going to say, he was like the, yeah, the well, champion of the, he, the he Northeast. Was. Yeah. He was, mate. He totally was. He was the first one. Like I said, like myself and me and Ben and the, and the rest, he's just a working class lad. And yeah. End up, you know, it was like mad. So, anyway, message got a message on Instagram and that. He's like, how are you doing, mate? And that. Like, um, do, I'm doing tricks. Do you want to come down? And he put us on his. He put us on. Um, his guest list yeah. and I was like fucking hell so I went down and saw him right now when he invited us I was like this is me chance this is it so I went down and I went down super early before anybody else was there because he, like I know Patrick gets blagged there's loads of people there who run a talk room so I went before everybody else got there and he came in I'll never forget this moment well right he came in and he looked straight at me and he came straight to us and he gave us 10 minutes of his undivided attention, mm. just looked at us the whole time, had this really deep conversation. And I says, like, look, Patrick, I've been sitting on this music. Um, obviously, I've showed it to Ben and Ben thinks you might be interested in it. Can I show you, please? He says, me? He went, send us all your music. I want to hear all your music. He went, actually, Ben's on stage. Now, how are you? Come with me. I'll take you downstairs and yeah. I'll, uh, we'll go and see him. So he took us on stage with him. I was like, fucking hell. And um, it was like a week later, Ben Hemsley gave him a nudge. He says, oh, have you listened to Shaq's music yet? Um, he went, no, I'm going to listen to it now. And then uh, I fucking, I got a message off of me. Like ben, Ben's obviously giving me number. And he went, yeah, mate, I've just listened to your music. I fucking love your tunes. I'm going to play them tonight at Mint. In Leeds, and I remember 
um, I woke up in the morning and I got a voice note off him. Uh, I put these voice notes when I was promoing the song. Um, he, um, I got a voice note off him in the at six o'clock. He just come off stage. He was like, mate. He was like, I'm in the middle of Moon Club. Uh, I played three of your songs tonight and they were fucking amazing. I'd love to sign them to Trey. I was like, fuck. Holy shit. And then he played them at um, Snowbombing, I think it's called, in the Alps. Yeah. Um, so he played them there as well and that. And then, um, obviously, we were going back and forth. And then it was, what happened is, is basically in April of this year, got a message off of me. He says, listen, look, I'm doing this upstream deal with Ministry of Sound. Yeah. They have had a little listen to the catalogue of music that I'm planning on to release. And they've picked one of your songs they'd love to work, work with us with. Yeah. Would you be interested in it? And I was like, fucking definitely. So... Um, that's when I started building a relationship with Ministry of Sound. And then um, we started going backwards and forwards with the tune. Um, we um, There was a lot of hurdles and obstacles we had to overcome to get, to get the tune released. Yeah. Um, obviously, that can always be the case with sample clearance. It's just the way it is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we um, we we uh, ended up getting everything sorted out. But the mad thing is, well, and again, like I just like alluded to before, I don't believe in coincidences, right? Now, my tune was supposed to come out on the 5th of August, yeah. right? Um, For reasons, um, like I just alluded to with sample clearance and stuff like that, behind the scenes, couldn't come out then. So then I got pushed back to October 7th. Mm. And then Patrick was releasing uh, Keep On Moving then, yeah. so then they swapped it to October 21st. If I had to release my song when it was initially planned, there's no way we could have done the prom- the promotion and the marketing for it. So there's no coincidence there. Yeah. So I'm so so grateful it came out when it did, and um, and the response I received off it's just amazing. Like it's literally life changing. Like I remember I saw you. Um, obviously I didn't actually go up and see you, but came down to Bristol. Were when you, you were there? Yeah, because I because I saw videos and I was like, <laughs> how the fuck did I not see him and him be there? Yeah, so I came in when you were playing, right? And um, I was upstairs on the balcony. Uh, okay. And I remember I, see, I could see you through the smoke. I'd just seen this big beard in this white top. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember you dropped uh, Rock With Me. I love that song, by the way. Cheers, mate. Um, and um, I remember I came, me and Pat were talking about stuff and like marketing and that, what we're going to do. And it's just been a fairy tale since mm. then. It's just unbelievable. And... Um, I'm forever grateful to to Patrick for everything he's done for us, and it's just changed my life, mate. Like, What's changed? This is what I want to know. For obviously, like I vaguely know what's changed, but like, <laughs> what's what's changed? Hmm. It's a great question. So, so first of all, and most important, right? You know this. Right, um, and to to the producers out there and the artists out there who are writing music, before you get somewhere and you have them arduous days and every day is a battle and you yeah. just got to be consistent, it's like o- overcoming a hill. Mm. So, like, because I'm getting to a point where I'm establishing myself now and the door's being opened, yeah, I have no doubt or worry anymore. Mm. That I think for me that is the biggest change in my life. Yeah. Like my mindset has totally changed, which is really important because your thoughts, this is my opinion, your thoughts are the most important things in your life because your thoughts become reality. Yeah, yeah. 
um, the way you think dictates the way you feel, and the way you feel dictates the reality that you yeah. experience. So because I'm not waking up anymore, skitzing and having, you know, self-doubt and stuff like that, and, you know, yeah. you know I'm all like fucking, like, do you know how many people have said to me, have you got ADHD? And I'm like, no, I'm fucking living my best life. <laughs> do you know what I mean, mate? Yeah. I'm fucking living my best life. And again, like I touched on at the beginning, I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose. Yeah. And we are purpose-driven beings. We are goal-driven beings. And when you're fulfilling your destiny... It's such a rewarding experience to be in. So that's the biggest change for me. Mm. That's really that's really interesting to hear, and it's really nice to hear because I think obviously you've worked your whole life. You've worked your whole life to get to where you're at, right? Um, it's just happened very differently for you than it does for most. Where it's your first ever record that's come out as as your as this artist name, like it's the first ever record, which is unheard of. But I think it's like also a sign of the times and like where where music's going, but it's also a sign of a fucking great record. And yeah, and, and it just connects with people. And, and I think that's the difference is that if you make something that connects with people, people are going to listen to it no matter what. And, and... I know you say everything happens for a reason, which I tote, I'm my whole, I live my whole life like that. And also with that, there's a lot of hard work and there's also a lot of luck that comes with that as well. And and I think you work to get that luck and, and you put the work in to make your own luck. It doesn't just happen for the, like you didn't blow up overnight, although everyone will see that you've just blown up overnight because it's the first time yeah. they've seen you. But I think yeah, they, yeah. that people don't know the the amount of work you put in behind the scenes. And even just the promotion for this record, like I see it from, from, the, from the back, like how much work you put into the promotion on this record and kind of how that, and also how much you understand marketing, which is a lot of people in this industry don't understand marketing. And mm. a lot of people aren't willing to even do any marketing for their records. It's like, oh, the record's out. Now it is what it is. Like, you did a lot of promo for this record. And, it, it like, the hard work really does go to show. Like, it pays off. Mm. I think I once heard someone define lookers um, when hard work meets opportunity. Yeah. Um, now... Like I say, I mean, I've been blessed with some, great, you know, great fortune, great luck. Um, but like I say, I've worked very hard to get where I am. Totally. And again, like, you know, I know we've refined fact, you know. Um, but people only see the end result. Mm -hmm. They don't see, you know, like, made some of the more, I had some really depressing days. Yeah. Learning to write music. Like, it's it's incredibly difficult um, to, to, to be able to write music and to be good at it. Yeah. Um. And learning, you know, all the technical side of it. Like, I had, me, I had some very, very, very lonely days. Like, really lonely days yeah. where I felt miserable. Mm -hmm. But I, I was persistent and I was consistent. And, like, I was touching on when Patrick invited us. I was like, this is my opportunity. This is, yeah. I've been gifted. I've been gifted this this blessing. I'm going to take it with both hands. And yeah. I did. And, obviously, you know, here we are. But I think... Yeah, I mean, like, the marketing and that as well, like... So, I remember I was in... I was chatting to somebody, and I said, like... Oh, like, when I when I did the B&Q video, right? 
and it was like the first so explain that to anybody that hasn't seen it right okay so what we did is also is, explain what being q is because so, a lot yeah, of people B- don't know it. yeah being being q is a hardware store in the united kingdom um it's similar uh, in the united states like home depot yeah um, I don't know any other hardware stores in Europe or Australia or wherever. So, yeah, wherever you get tools from and nails and things like that, that's what it's like. Um, and also do gardening stuff as well. Now, um, we basically, when I was planning all of these the, the these marketing things, um, I knew B&Q was going to be the most difficult one yeah. because of the stuff. Yeah. Now... What I decided, what I decided to do is, is I was like, right, everybody who's going to take part, go in the shop and just, just act nonchalant as if you're just there looking for some, is looking for some items. So I had people in the garden section looking at trowels and, you know. How did you get looking, people to go there? Like, how was it just mates or? You know what? So I started a group chat. I've got a group chat on WhatsApp called the Moving All Around Group, and um, I just inv- added. I think there's like 55 people in the group. Yeah. And then they invite friends and stuff like that. So I say, like, look, be here at this location at this time. Yeah. So I was last to go in. So I had a friend helping us. And what I did is I put my my decks in a black bin bag and I put them on a flatbed trolley. And then I got another trolley, like a normal one, which you put shopping in. And I put the battery powers, the battery power packs and uh, the speaker in the, in the trolley. And I just wheeled them in, you know. Yeah. Just acting as if I just belonged. Nobody said fucking nothing. So I'm looking at the tinsel and that going, oh. <laughs> and then I literally just went into the kitchen. Bear in mind, I'd, I'd done a lot of reconnaissance and picking which kitchen was going to be best. So I picked one at the back. And literally, there was fucking no stuff. I just went like that, set everything up. And then I got everyone. I was like, fucking come, come, come. Message in the group chat. Everybody come round. So I started playing in that. And the, I remember the security came over and he was just like this on his headset. And then he had a phone in one hand and he just looked at us and turned away and he didn't fucking do anything. Oh, that's amazing. That, then, that dude so, needs a uh, fucking beer. Legend. I'm just like, I say, he actually messages on Instagram and said, like, I think what you did was class. <laughs> I was like, yes, I love it. So um, I knew I wasn't going to get a long run. Yeah. So I played the radio edit of it. And um, I think I got two drops in and then it was like coming to the third drop. And uh, this woman come over and she just ripped the, um, she ripped the power cord out now. Um, I didn't want to physically stop her because yeah. obviously that's just breaking the rules. So she came over and ripped it out, and then she was like, "The police have been called." And um, I later found out that because B and Q is next door to the police station, right? It's next door, <laughs> right? And somebody who works there told me that they did actually ring the police, but when they spoke to the operator, the police didn't believe them. So they didn't dispatch any units. No way. <laughs> yeah, I said like, um, obviously there's someone in Heights B and Q. There's someone having a rave in my kitchen. Can you send the police round? Because <laughs> mate, I was there for ten minutes after, and the police never turned up, and they're only next door. So, so yeah, so so that so that that was um, so that was mad. But this is again what I've told you about about I don't believe in coincidences, right? When I made the BQ video, I had an entourage of people, right? But there was some members of the public there who weren't part of my group. And there was yeah. this young lass who was filming me. And she put it on TikTok and the video started going viral. So it had no choice but wow. to release the video. But it's because I released the video yeah. that it caught the attention of um, 
of media outlets and Radio One got yeah. got a hold of it. And then um, obviously uh, Danny Howard had already been sent it, I think, off ministry, but I ended up getting World's uh, World's Hottest Record. Mm. So again, mate, if I hadn't released the BingQ video, I might not have. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, it's totally, mad, man. man. Yeah, I, it's mad. I think this is the thing as well, is like, especially in this day and age where club records nowadays and like i could be wrong and i'm happy to be wrong but records nowadays aren't necessarily successful because they're big in the club they're successful yeah. because they're big on everything else and yeah, yeah you either hate it or you don't it, like it is what it is it, and and you have to kind of go to what you what, what you have to do and you you got a you came up with a marketing plan that was really organic but also fun and people could relate to and people wanted to watch it. It's fucking great. Yeah. Well, like, but this is the thing, though. Like, when I, I mentioned it to someone about the B&Q stunt before I did it, and they were like, oh, is this what you have to do now to become a DJ? And I was like, no, I says, I'm being me. Yeah. I'm just being myself. That's the thing, the yeah. most, important, most yeah. important thing is being authentic is one of the most powerful things you can do as a human. And now, in our day and age, well, unfortunately, we have an epidemic of excuse me, unauthentic people because of social media. Totally. So I just wanted to say to the people out there who are listening, you are one of one. Yeah, yeah. We're all God's children. And I, I just hope that more people will realize in time that only you can be you. Mm-hmm. Don't spend, why are you spending your day trying to fucking be like John Doe? Yeah. Be you. Only you can be you. Step in your own power and be authentic. So, I said, the kid, I was like, no, I says, I'm being myself. I just love doing fucking crazy stuff. Yeah. I love it. I buzz off it. I says, I'm just being myself. I says, don't ever be something that you're not. It's one of the worst things you can ever do. And it's just, yeah, I mean, like social media is, you know, I love it because it's an incredible tool. It helps me promote myself a lot. Totally. But on the flip side, um, a lot of people, which tends to be younger, the, you know, their minds are, uh, rewired or walked and they're just trying to be someone that they're not just be yourself i think the thing is is which like i it happened to me years ago with with music is like the minute you see someone being successful right and you want to be successful like you think oh what did they do to get there i have to do exactly the same and it's it's not but it takes time to realize that in your life and i think what's happening now is you have a lot of younger people that when we grew up the only people we kind of really could see like like when we're teenagers were like pop stars rock stars rap stars or models right and mm-hmm. like sports stars like we'd had magazines that we'd like read and we'd look at and shit like that and we didn't have social media so and we didn't have the social media that's now like what even when we got facebook when that first came like we were in our teens like late teens yeah. so yeah. like we didn't have the like the viral social media um but now viral social media can mean that you can earn a fucking good living from it and yeah. a lot of the people were seeing that it's like okay this person did this they're now multi-millionaires i want to be a multi-millionaire i then have to go and do what that person's doing rather than thinking what is the niche thing that i can do as a person that nobody else can do no, like nobody else is who i am so what can i do that will then mm. kind of fit into a niche some people don't have that some people can have that and some people don't have that and it's 
you just have to find your little thing. Mm, yeah, for sure. Because you can see right through it, right? You can see the, like some people can be extremely successful by emulating. However, it's not authentic to them. So it doesn't last for them. Doesn't, it's not, mm. it's not forever. And and mm. that's where it gets a bit weird. Um, but you're yeah. right. Like it is, I don't know you as a, as a, but from even just from this conversation, I know how much you love it. If you know what I mean, yeah. and I think yeah, that's yeah. that's the that's the most important thing. Yeah, being yourself, mate, it's just so important and so powerful. But I think <clears throat> just to touch on what you said there about um, about seeing someone being successful and thinking, right, I have to do that. Yeah, I had a fascinating conversation recently with an ENR from Warner, and he was telling me when LF System blew up and Afraid of Fuel got number one. He told us that he had 60 like, demo submissions yeah. of people slowing the tune down before mm-hmm. the drop, then speeding it up. Yeah. And he said, he said to us, he was like, be yourself, be organic, do something else that other people haven't done. Why the fuck yeah. are you copying off people? And I think that's a problem with music is a lot of people do copy off other people. Um, and I, I don't know why people do that. I, I, I know why. People want success. People, mm. people, people want success. It's, it's not a, well, I'm guessing that's what the issue is, what the reason is, but it's like, it happened to me. Like my first record was a record, like my first record that had any, that did anything was a, a track called Big Booty. And I signed it to Worthy's record year, like 2004 it came out, I think. Um, no, 2014. Yeah, I was, yeah. 2014 or 2013 i can't remember and that was like the first record that <clears throat> everyone was playing mk was playing it jamie jones was playing it, eats everything seth troxler the martinez brothers everyone was playing it in the like the cool camp because they were just blowing up at that time as well mm-hmm. and i was like fuck jamie jones is like asking me for an ep like i need to now make hot creation records uh... and it's like that was the thing that like I, I gave up music for six months after the, after like a, two months into that because I was constantly just making music that I think Jamie would have liked rather than sitting back and going, I he's he's playing the record that I made, b- me being me, and yeah. only I can make that record. Yeah. And everyone's playing that, but it was I was just trying to fit in. And when you try to fit in, it just doesn't work. It really doesn't work but mm. that was the best lesson i learned is that like we we evolve as artists and and you're not going to release the same record over and over again like you mm. we all evolve and our sounds change look at how much patrick's sounds changed over the years if if we want to look at sounds changing um it, but it just has to be done authentically Absolutely. I think what you, I'm so glad you've mentioned that because when me and Ben in our early days when we were writing music and that, we would like, um, we would say, oh, well, let's make a record for this label and that. And then as, as like we evolved as artists, Ben always said to me, he was just like, when you aim for a label, you put yourself in a box 100%. straight away. Yeah. And that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. There are no rules when it comes to writing music. And when you, what I found is if you try and write a record for a label, you always inhibit yeah. yourself. So, um, like, you, like you see, you're just living proof, mate. And I've mm. been there myself. So you just, 
That's what I'm saying. Just be yourself and it'll, yeah. it'll go to the right place. Yeah, and I, I think also the way music's released nowadays, like, it's... You don't necessarily... You do need associations. Everyone needs associations to a certain level. But, like, you look at LF System, like, they they didn't... They pretty much released on majors since day one. They've released on some, but like it, they were known for releasing on majors. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you don't necessarily need. If you make good music, you don't need the associations nowadays because the internet allows you to sell tickets. The internet allows you that. Whereas before, it was like you need the stamp of approval of Hot Creations, you need the stamp of approval of Dirty Bird, you need Defected, blah blah blah, which is all good and like. It, they're all great avenues to release music now still, but you don't need it. You can, mm. you could like, you can be bigger than any of those labels by having a big social media following. Simple. Yeah, for sure. And again, it just back to be yourself. Yeah. I think another thing, another piece of great advice I would give is concentrate on yourself mm. to those who are listening out there, anyone who write And this is applicable in all all fields, all walks of life. Don't concern yourself with what other people are doing. Focus on totally. what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. And that's like the best analogy I can give of this is, let's just say you go in the gym, right? And um, you see someone who's in really good shape and you're looking at them instead of lo- looking at what you're doing. Dude, pick the fucking weight up. You yeah. have to work out, not look at other people. And it's the same thing with your work, whatever you do, but especially music. Don't concern yourself with what other artists are yeah. doing. You focus on yourself. When did you when did you come to that realization? Because that's not something you get born with. It takes time. <sighs> Does it take time, mate? Fucking I would say probably in 2020. Mm. 2020 is because I, I would be like, oh look at what he's doing, look at what he's doing. But yeah, probably in 2020. Because I've been writing music, like Ben taught us how to write music. Um, 2019 December yeah. 2019 so about three years ago I had like six months off where I didn't write anything Yeah, but um, so I've been writing music for like two and a half years straight but um, yeah 2020 is when mm. I like stopped concerning myself because it's anxiety like I want to be where they are yeah 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 and, and again touching on the success thing that, that you were talking about um, and then I was like I said to myself I was just like you're focusing, you're focusing your time and energy on what other people are doing, and this is another thing I learned. Great quotation. Where energy goes, energy grows. Yeah. So don't spend your day looking at what fucking Joe Bloggs is doing. Focusing mm. on what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, man, 100%. I remember, like, for me, it was 2018. Like, I had a career. I was touring full-time, and it was at the end of the year, and I was so fucking unhappy with in my career. Why? I, I, multiple reasons. I was writing music that I didn't like because I was fitting into a record label that I was signed to. Um, I had a management team that didn't really understand where I wanted to go with my career. Um, I thought buying materialistic things, like I bought a house, I bought a car at the time. Like I thought all those things would make me happy. And realistically, it took took me a year to like realize like what actually did make me happy and like what I needed to do to make decisions in my career to then move forward and realistically it was just like do what the fuck I want and stop looking at everybody else like and and also 
don't be envious of other people's success because there's space for everybody. And yeah. just because somebody else is, is earning more money than me, just because somebody else's record's doing better than mine, doesn't mean that I am not as good. It doesn't mean that I'm never going to be as good. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person or I'm a bad person or I'm whatever. It's just like, just enjoy the moment and, and, and just write music that that you fucking love and everything will fall fall in peace. And literally it does. Everything fell in place from, from that, from then fired my managers, started writing music I wanted. And here we are today. It's, it's, it's game changing. Wise words, sir. Well said. Game changing. So I want to go back to what's changed. We, we kind of, your, your mindset has changed in like the down days. You're still going to have those down days, of course, but like, what else has changed in the immediate future? So obviously, financially, that's another thing as well, especially yeah. in this current current economic climate. I don't have to worry about anything. Like, Love that. Um, I can look after my mom. Like, my mom's 66. Mm. She, she, she still works, but it's nice to give back. Yeah. Like I alluded to, my mother sacrificed so much of her life to enable me to be in the position that I'm in. Yeah. So um, there's so many things I want to do for her. Mm. So... Um, not having to worry about anything. Like, I, this is my career. This is me. I can make a living of what I'm doing. Yeah. So that's a massive. That's something I don't have to think about. So that's freeing up more energy. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um. And obviously, you know, the the traveling, mm. uh, going to all the shows, meeting all these amazing people, ex- experiencing all these different things. So I'm obtaining loads of new life experience, which is great. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, for me, it's the the biggest thing for me, Will, is, is having that feeling of fulfilling my purpose and destiny. Yeah. That's, that's just what keeps coming back into my head. Um, obviously, you know, having the money, I'm so grateful for that, for for being financially, don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. But what one thing is that is really important as well. I've got really good people around us. Yeah. So I've got great. I've got great management now. Got mm. gr- a great uh, agency. Great yeah. agent. Um. I've got. Um. I've got. Great friends around us who I'm bringing into my fold next yeah. year. Who are going to be part of my team, and that is so rewarding that yeah. I can take my friends with us on this journey, and have people the right people around us who care about us and who do love us and. Mm. have a vested interest in my welfare and aren't just there for a ride, you know what I mean? Totally. So that's the thing, and this is applicable with anything in life. You have to be incredibly careful with the people you have around you and the people that you spend time with. Mm. Um, so it's just, it's mad, me, honestly, like, uh, <laughs> I'm just speechless, <laughs> mate. Just, just honestly, like, uh it's like a whole perspective shift. Like me, it's like the it's like a polar shift yeah. in my, my life, and it's not just like oh yeah, like look, I'm doing all this now. It's for me. What's the most important is my my how I feel in here yeah. and how I feel in here. Like getting up, knowing I am fulfilling my dream and destiny, and I'm and I'm doing it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So. It's the best yeah, feeling, man. It's the best feeling. Yeah. And I think like, it's really nice to hear that because I think for me listening, like 
I can become pretty jaded in this industry. Because why you, do you think that is? I think I think for me it's the how long and how like how much work you put in. Like for for me is like I've been doing this for since I was fifteen. No, I've been DJing since I was twelve. Um, and I've been producing since I was sixteen. Like and just the the like I love it, mate. Like and I I have a very good career. I'm very fortunate of what where I'm at. I know that. Um, but I I can get jaded in the industry. I and I think I think if somebody says they didn't, it would be weird because it's still a job. It's still our everyday life. Um, but I think yeah, it's really nice to hear you come in with like a really fresh and positive perspective on where it's going. It's re- it's really, it's really nice. And I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting it. Like I wasn't, I really wasn't expecting it. So it's really nice to hear, man. And, and I really appreciate you like coming on and sharing the whole experience. Cause I was really intrigued how it all came, came about. And, and I'm really happy for you. Really happy for you. Oh, thank you so much, man. Honestly, I, I, first of all, I just want to say thank you for your extremely kind words in support, mate. And like I say, it's an absolute honour to come on here. And like, I'm really grateful for your time, man. Uh, yeah, mate, it's just, it's mad. It really is. And like, ultimately, one day, like, me and Ben have had these conversations about what we want to do in the future and like, um, we we're talking about how we'd like to build a community community centre for the children in North Shields yeah. and um, give them give them the right tools in terms of education yeah. to enable them to have the life that they want because the education system is failing children today and in, in my opinion because it's so back to front. Like, have you ever sat and thought about this, mate? Right, you know, really on the face value and this is this is applicable with most um paperwork tests right it's a memory test they're yeah. grading you based on your memory what totally. you can retain yeah, right yeah. and you have children who are going into school who the learning stuff that they, they don't they're not interested in and mm. i think if you the best example like i give of this is when you look at an infant right say from the ages of one to three and you see the child development and learning how to walk and talk and seeing yeah. all these colours, so happy. So the child associates happiness with learning, which is very important. Then what they do is they hide them in the education system and they start teaching them stuff that they don't like. Yeah. Now, one thing I will state is it's important to have basic skills, you know, totally. like maths yeah. is important so you can add up English or you can, you're not illiterate, you can read and write and you can spell, right? That's very important. However, when you start teaching children stuff that they're not interested in, they then sever the connection between happiness and learning. Yeah, yeah. So they don't want to learn anymore. Yeah. And it's like with us, learning to write music, you love writing it, so you mm. want to learn it, right? I think they need to give children more autonomy in school to learn stuff that they want so that they, they're better. But I said, like I said to Ben, I said, like, being able to give the kids the support because there's, there's not a lot there. And one day I would like to set up a mental health foundation because the lack of mental health support in this country um, all over the world as well, it's just so low. Um, and everybody experiences, you know, bad mental health at some point in their totally. life. Yeah, yeah. So I've obtained some tools along my journey and my tenure on this planet. Yeah. 
that really helped me along the way and For sure. anything else that I learned I'd like to give back because like I said mate I'm, the another thing I'd like to state Will as well is if I didn't come from Newcastle I would not be in the position I'm in it's because of mm. the people I have around us in the community yeah. and coming from where I do that yeah. has got us where I am so I'd like to give back a lot to where I come from because I'm incredibly grateful to be born from here and come from where I do. Do you know what I mean? No, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely makes complete sense because I think the community you guys have up there is super special. Like I know down <laughs> south we don't have it. It's not it's yeah. not like that at all. And where are you where are you where are you from? Well, near Bristol. Right. Um, yeah. See, I, I've only been to Bristol. Like, exploring was when I came yeah, to trick, yeah. really. Like, so I don't know enough information about it to know what it's, it's like. It's an amazing city. Like, and musically, like, the especially the musical history is insane. Like, Massive Attack, Porter's Head, um, Ronnie Size, like, all of that. Like, the drum and bass, the, the, the history is amazing. Obviously, you've got Eats Everything that's from there. But, like, community-wise, it's, it's great. And it's got a huge community. Um, mm-hmm. But it's... I was talking to Ben Malone on uh, just before this podcast, um, and we were we were saying up north, like Scotland, Ireland, the north of England, they just support their people way more. And there's not, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing down south at all. Like it's where I grew up, but like you, it, you see people look after each other way more up there, which is so nice yeah. to see. So nice to see. Hundred mm, percent, which I guess 100%. it makes sense because it's that working class background, right? Like, yeah. it, it comes from the mining days and and, and the manufacturing days, and <clears throat> when everyone worked together and they had to kind of work together to make things work. So it makes complete sense. Um, but it, it's just 100%. nice. It's just nice that it can still be replicated in today's youth as well. Well said, mate. Yeah, totally, 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 totally. So, yeah, but yeah, like I said. I'm, so blessed to come from here so love that love that mate we've just done an hour and 10 minutes um i'd love to keep talking to you but i think we keep that one for for another for another time um yeah 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 for sure how can people follow you how can people get involved with the nana makina and all of that as well well actually i'm putting nana makina to rest um what uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, killing her. I'm killing her off, mate. Um, How, uh, you, you, surely you're actually going to kill her off in a really yep. like interesting way. I am, I am, but oh. I'm not going to tell everybody yeah. what it's. I'm going to do, but you'll still see. Yeah. Um, but she's going out with a bang. Is all I'll say. <laughs> now, um, so in terms of me, uh, people can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter, obviously. I'm on all socials. Uh, if you just search for Shark and it's spelled S C H A K. Um, because I've had people who try to spell it <laughs> in, a, in a multitude of different ways and um, they always end up getting spelling it the wrong way. But yeah, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, um, I'm on YouTube as well. I've only I've like started posting shorts on there, cool. Um, but yeah, come and uh, come and get on the roller coaster, let's go. Amazing, <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to next year. I've got some mad things coming, so I just would like to say. To everybody who's listening, thank you so much for supporting us on this journey. And without incredible people like yourself, I'd never be where I am. So I'd like to say thank you so much. Thank you so much, Will, for having us on, mate. It really means a lot. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, This is actually coming out in January. So it's going to be a good year. Keep up, man. Yeah. Happy New Year, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, cool, mate. Thank you so much. And uh, keep in touch. And that is a wrap. Really enjoyed that episode. I hope you did. Please give it a share. Give it a review. Send it to your mates. Um, have a good one. Keep safe. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.